You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Today I have Ajeta Robinson on with me. I'm really excited. Her and I have talked a bunch of times and she's got some amazing things to teach you guys. So today's training is going to be all about passive income for group practice owners. And she'll give you a little snippet of her, but what I know of Ajeta is she does a million things and I don't know how, but she runs a group practice. She uh, runs retreats. And I know one of them is called the Coin Collectors Retreat and that's on things like monetizing the knowledge that you have. Um, She's also got the Private Practice Academy where she supports clinicians that are launching a solo or group practice and um, it's just really kicking ass. So I'm super excited to have you on. Hey, Ajeta. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Did I get (laughs) all of the things that you're doing right? Things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, mastering insurance is the other piece. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, insurance. Things, Duh. Right? Yeah, that's right. My jam. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm really excited because I feel like, um, you know, when group practice owners get to a place where they feel like they can settle down on mm-hmm. um, running their group practice and they've got their systems in place and their supports in place, it's usually around the time where they start to think about other income streams. Um, and so it's, I'm really excited to have you on and kind of talk about some of the most common ones and, um, you know, what you're doing and, and we can have a little bit of a dialogue on how, you know, our passive income stuff kind of relates to some of those ideas that you bring up. So let's, let's take it away. Absolutely. So again, one of my favorite, favorite topics, um, pajama profits is one of my favorite types of income streams. Um, and I think sometimes we, we, miss it, right? Um, Because we're so focused on the direct practice piece, but it really can free you up. And for me, it's, it's so important for sustainability of your business, but also for that wellness component, right? Um, Because there's only so many hours in a day and yet we have things to do, right? Tell Um, tell us um, what pajama profits means for those that don't know. (laughs) So pajama profits is just what I call passive income. Um, So income that I literally can earn while I'm sleeping and from my pajamas. That is the type of income I would love, 100% of income, but, you know, to be pajama profits. So that actually is the name of the um, series of um, courses and trainings that I offer to clinicians on generating passive income. So so my favorite type is pajama profits for sure. So um, so some of the... Yeah, I was just going to say, tell us a little bit about some of those uh, pajama profit ideas. Yes, absolutely. So um, I think that it's so important that as clinicians, as group 
practice owners that we figure out how to monetize our space as well as our, our knowledge, um, which we have a wealth of. And so some of the um, kind of most common types that group practice owners that I work with usually start with are courses. Um, courses are really big um, in being able to put information together that benefits um, others, right? Um, we have skills that we can teach, whether that be that we're teaching parents how to better communicate with their kids or um, how to help them talk to kids about certain topics. Um, but also one of the big things with respect to courses that I think we miss as clinicians is that um, we don't actually have to market them to individuals. We could market them to organizations, right? Um, that also have our, our target audience, which makes it more, you know, consistent revenue for us. Um, one of the biggest sources of passive income for my clinical practice is actually licensing um, some of our materials. Um, and that includes our courses as well as some of our templates to places like agencies. Um, we have a contract, um, we specialize in grief and trauma. And so that is something that we get asked about over and over again. Um, and we know that we know the different industries and the different professions that have a higher risk profile for experiencing vicarious trauma. We know first responders. Um, and so we've actually licensed one of our courses on vicarious trauma um, to a division of the Department of Defense. Um, That's which amazing. Is a that it is absolutely, um, absolutely a stable, consistent source of passive income because we recorded this course once, right? Right. Um, and we licensed it to them for uh, on a yearly basis, whether their um, members access the course or not, our check is the same, right? right. Um, we hope that they're getting the knowledge and the, the support because it's we believe in our um, in that topic and that they need it. Um, but it's stable income, right? That right. we don't have to do anything else for. <laughs> um, and so I think those are pieces that we miss that we can definitely capitalize on for sure. I, I have a good question for you. So yeah. it, regarding the difference between um, just having, oh, darn, guys, I forgot to turn off my email. So you just hear a, a blip now. <laughs> turning it off. Um, regarding um, the difference between just monetizing a course that you maybe sell to um, online, like Unteachable, where mm -hmm. you build a course and then you can let your clients know and you can make a page about it so that people like other therapists that you know can, if they have clients that would benefit from it, they could get that information. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between structuring it sort of that way versus licensing? Because I think that's something that um, I don't know anything about when it comes to licensing, although I do know For a lot sure. about building courses. Um, what are the extra hoops that you have to jump through? I'm assuming it's a little bit more difficult to do um, licensing type agreements versus just having an e-course out there that people find and, um, and, and sell, you know, online. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. So there are a few additional hoops, but your curriculum is the same. You know that you're just speaking to a different audience. Um, you may be speaking to a different audience. You may not. So just knowing that audience, um, but you absolutely need to have a licensing agreement that protects your intellectual property, but that also restricts where that content can be housed. And so we have some licensing agreements where um, our training sits on someone else's platform, um, but it can't be downloaded, right? We have right. restrictions on how often it can be um, viewed or, again, um, how they access 
access it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then with our corporate clients, a lot of our corporate clients also want us to be able to um, manage the database, right, or the platform. And so you, from a systems perspective, you want to make sure that you're able to deliver on that, but you wouldn't pitch for that if you couldn't, right, if right. you didn't have the infrastructure in place. And so we have a, um, we have custom built landing pages or portal pages for our corporate clients when their employees sign on, they don't see our branding per se. They see what matches and looks like their company's portal for courses that we've developed specifically for them. Um, and again, the courses may be developed specifically for that corporate client or um, it may just be licensed for that corporate client. So you definitely want to have a non-disclosure agreement as well as a, um, a licensing agreement that also outlines, um, again, who can access that course, how often that course is available, if you're offering CEUs, who's managing that. For certain, um, uh, a certain number of our clients, we do offer the CEUs, but so you have to make sure that you're credentialing as far as who that, um, right. who can take that course and all of those things that meet your accrediting body standards is a part of that infrastructure. And so, um, and it's a contract, right? And so you want to make sure that your interests are protected, but that there's also some benefit for, um, you know, who your client or your, your, your client is. Right. Um, and so <clears throat> the, the contract that I was talking about um, for vicarious trauma, it actually sits in their HR portal. And so again, there were some additional terms that we outlined as far as where that's at, you know, how they access it, how long they have access to it. We actually add access code so we can know how often it's being viewed because we like data and metrics mm-hmm. um, that allows us. And then we also have kind of feedback that allows us to then go back and say, hey, these were questions or things that your employees stated about the type of the training and their experience, which we've actually used to go back and pitch for additional courses um, or additional trainings that we may offer. Um, the, the other piece I think that's just important about that is that we didn't just pitch blind for that type of contract. It actually started from a training that we were doing pretty regularly. Um, and we gave them some data about what the occurrence and frequency was, as well as barriers to treatment for their population um, and utilize that relationship to say, hey, what if we created this course? Um, there's already demand for it um, that your people can benefit from. And so that's a, that's actually one of the ways that we hit seven figures in my practice wasn't through direct practice alone. We've right. done that, but it was through contracts and other passive streams of income. And would you say that the way you market changes, um, you know, kind of looking at the uh, typical selling of courses on a platform like Teachable that people can go into and buy for, you know, $99 mm-hmm. or whatever versus having these contracts um, with organizations or other places where uh, I can see the benefit in that they're paying obviously a larger amount to have access mm-hmm. to that content for a year at a time. Um, and, and obviously, depending on the size of the business, the larger the business, the more people Absolutely. potentially are going to be getting into that course, which mm-hmm. um, means that you would be making more. But I'm assuming that there's um, a different way about um, a, of getting a, a contract with a local I don't know, corporate company versus how you'd be going about it to if it was just a course that anyone, whether it's a corporate person or a person in a, working at some other place or just a client um, would be accessing it through something like Teachable, a regular e-course. 
Absolutely. So when we're talking about kind of advertising a course and we're really looking at it on a one-on-one basis, um, we often, particularly as clinicians, um, whether we're marketing to other clinicians or marketing to clients or schools, we're often utilizing what I call heart-centered language, right? And so we're Mm -hmm. often talking about their experiences and the things that, um, solutions to problems, things of that nature. When you are pitching or, or targeting for a contract with corporations, we actually need to pivot and have database conversations. Although it's so important, we eventually do the heart-centered conversations to talk about the wellness of their their, um, employees and how vicarious trauma influences um, their ability to effectively do their job. The reality is, is that most corporations, we actually have to start and talk about the data. Right, because right. that's the way that corporations make decisions. Um, however, we feel about that, and so we do need to pivot our conversation. And we're actually not talking to them on a one-to-one basis, so we have to make sure that our marketing or our pitch to them um, encompasses the company's mission and compelling them to actually live that mission out through providing the service to their employees. Right. So, what's the actual benefit from a revenue perspective and from an organizational culture perspective? And so, we do have to shift the conversation. Um, it's still consultative selling, which is a, a method a method to selling um, that is a component of marketing, but it does look different when we're talking to corporations because you're talking to them at the entity level as opposed to one-on-one, which right. we're often doing um, when we're talking to other clinicians and other, you know, other, other folks that we're selling to. Um, and so we do need to kind of pivot the way that we have those conversations. Absolutely. Um, an- another kind of big one um, is is um, our curriculum. Um, and so we can, we often have these things that are unique to the way that we deliver services in our practice. And I think sometimes we hold on to that when there's things that there's methods, right? That if we can put some evidence or some data behind, we actually can develop curriculums or manuals that other people are interested in. We have, we have one in our practice around grief, specifically grief with children. Um, we find that there aren't enough of us who are doing this work who actually actually enjoy this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much, right? There's there's so much need. And so we developed a curriculum around grief um, to train other clinicians as well as other agencies. And so that, um, so one part of that is not passive, right? The actual training piece, um, and but there's other pieces where they actually can just purchase the manual, right? Right. Um, and that is completely passive. And obviously passive being the actual delivery, but right. not the marketing piece. So And um, also I, I can see it could it could be passive in the future. Um, mm. even with, if you end up having other clinicians in your practice or other clinicians that you deem um, know that curriculum and can start providing trainings on the curriculum so that it becomes passive in that you don't have to do that work anymore, you know? Absolutely. Um, and this is a nice one, especially as we're coming up on um, summer slump that we like to talk about. It's For us, it's not a slump. We specialize in grief. It doesn't take any time off. Um, but it, we do see some differences, right, in frequency right. of client sessions. I mean, that's kind of just the reality of some of what we do. And so we get really busy in the summer actually providing trainings to camps. Um, and it's interesting because we don't, we miss them a lot. But if we think about um, that, there's paraprofessionals, right? Camp counselors who don't have training in recognizing mental health and mental tra- illness among their campers. And it's a liability to the camps, right? Whether it's an right. overnight camp or a day camp. And so we developed a training program that 
I've trained my staff in. And so my job really as kind of chief development officer is to go out and secure those contracts and my team can deliver and deploy the actual curriculum, which allows us to serve more camps and camp counselors than we would if it was just me. So for me, that is passive income because you're right, I've trained my staff to deliver to deliver a curriculum. And so that's, those are some things that we can do um, as group practice owners is really that transfer of knowledge. And it's an, another stream of income for your clinicians that's not, um, you know, direct practice. It gets them out of the office. Exactly. It helps develop them professionally as well as another skill set. I'll tell you, some of my clinicians were hesitant to do presentations. And so we had them, you know, shadow until they became more comfortable and we really kind of send them out there. And now that's kind of commonplace, right? We can send them to schools and camps and, you know, we are training in multiple states at this point because there's so much need. Um, and we've become kind of known for that's something that we offer to camps. That's amazing. I love that idea. Ooh, good stuff. Um, what else, aside from monetizing um, through courses and licensing agreements and curriculums, would you um, do you see often happening for group practice owners in terms of passive so, income? Absolutely. So monetizing your space. Um, we never see clients on the weekend. We could, there's a demand, but it's just not, it's not a part of our business model at this time or in the foreseeable future. And so we actually have some contracts um, that I that I secured through our local chamber of commerce um, for a few uh, associations. So some of some, some of the sororities use our conference space, um, as well as some of the, our local engineering association. Um, you also could monetize your space by leasing it to um, when you're not using it for sure. Um, and then to folks such as we're working on bringing on a prescriber that will absolutely be someone who leases space as a part of coming on our team. Um, mm-hmm. And so monetizing your space is so important, especially if, if there's you know time that it's not generating revenue. And so that's one that we see quite frequently. Um, I think sometimes group practice owners don't do it because we are wanting to fill it with our team. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't see clients on the weekends, then someone else can be using that space, right? And again, these are ways for you to have kind of, we have rolling contracts. That's actually the only way we lease our space um, because we want to make sure that who we're leasing it to aligns with the overall kind of vision and environment of our space. And so exactly. that's another way. Um, and at this point, um, our overhead is almost covered by the um, monetize, monetization of our space, which makes me happy. All That's over. amazing. Um, yeah. And so the local chamber of commerce was really important, um, a really important place to find other like-minded entrepreneurs who would be a good spit fit for our space. I um, give, I tell group practice owners that I coach all the time that one of the places that they should be contacting is their local chamber of commerce. Um, I think too few people group, or practice yes. owners or business owners use their local chamber. And I, I totally get there. there's mm-hmm. going to be some chambers that are maybe not funded well. And so they don't offer too much support, but mm-hmm. for the most part, um, chambers can be really helpful when it comes to even just marketing the group practice and getting you into the community um, with other businesses in the community. But as you're saying now too, it, they can definitely help on other ends, like um, securing kind of those templates uh, for office space contracts and whatnot, and also probably be able to give you ideas on people that are businesses that might um, benefit from using your space. Absolutely. I love um, it. And, and there's one other that I'd like to um, kind of mention um, is really maximizing the, um, we're in an ebook world. 
we're in a knowledge kind of um, access world. And I think that, again, it's another way. Um, I can't tell you how often people will download our ebook um, on our website. One, it's an excellent way to build your list. Um, but it's interesting because I'll look at people who've downloaded our ebook and then it'll be a few months before they actually reach out for services mm -hmm. um, because sometimes they just need the knowledge. Um, we've also been able to utilize this um, to get into some speaking engagements as well, which again, it's not purely passive, but you have a wealth of knowledge, especially as a group practice owner, and you're likely already blogging and vlogging. And so repurpose some of that content and make it available to people who may not geographically be able to be serviced by your business or who just may need to access information in a different way. Um, the audible book, um, audiobook industry is a $2 billion industry. And we, we miss out on that revenue stream because we simply don't put our products or we don't develop them, right? Um, right. And make them available. But there's certainly, that's a stream of income that we um, have tapped into. Um, so that you've done audiobooks? Promotion. We have one. So the grief book that um, I wrote is an audiobook. Um, that's amazing. And yeah, it's been, and it's been really good. So we think about distribution deals um, and we connected with the local radio station that has a, has a recording studio, um, which has been a really good just relationship to have in general. Cause of course they ask us to come on some of their shows and um, which is another way of promoting um, mm -hmm. our book. And so absolutely. So um, little things like scripts, that's another one that I think, again, we miss. Um, we have scripts available for how to talk to kids about death and dying, which is a big one, which we ended up getting a contract for um, a hospice, a local hospice that just purchased a bulk of them to just put in their, their packet um, for their clients. Um, and so we make it downloadable. So again, we can control access um, because they purchased a certain number of them that they give to all of their families who have kids um, who are navigating the hospice um, journey. And so um, scripts are things that, again, your clinicians are walking through kind of scripts with clients all the time. Um, and other folks could benefit from having templates on how to, you know, simple things, right? How to talk to kids about dating after divorce, um, how to talk to kids about death and dying, whatever your area of expertise is, someone needs help navigating conversations around that. Um, and you certainly can leverage the different expertise of your clinicians to develop some of those products and ideas. That's amazing. I love it. Um, any other um, passive income ideas that you had on your radar for, for today? I mean, there's obviously a million that we can go into, but <laughs> any other top one that you would consider? Um, I think templates, um, which different from scripts. Okay. Um, I know that you have a template packet um, that people ask about all the time, right? And so yeah. if you have a process in your business that works and people are asking you about it, make it available in a template. We have one for mastering insurance because people are always asking, you know, how do we withdraw from a insurance company or how do we, um, how do we address recoupments, right? Or how do we appeal a closed panel? And so we were always providing the service um, and just needed to make it accessible in a different way. And so those templates, those guides keep people from recreating the wheel. Um, and you've spent a lot of time kind of fine tuning and perfecting it. Um, and templates can be um, one of our kind of consulting clients is a school counselor. Um, and those templates save a ton of time on just writing um, 
recommend, recommendation letters for students. They I can't even tell you. I mean, she's told me she's written, um, but she created a template and then made that template available that allows it to be personalized and customized for students and then made it available to other school counselors. It's been an amazing source of income for her um, that all of us have to do, right? If you're mm-hmm. and working in an academia or in schools or I get recommendation requests all the time um, and having a template just makes that easy, right? So any way that you can simplify processes, you can monetize and make it into passive income. So those are the top ones that I uh, often get questions about or that we have done as well. So I have a question for you that relates yeah. to this and it can be kind of my closing question. Um, with the things that you mentioned, minus the monetizing of the space, but you talk about courses and licensing, uh, like those types of courses as well, curriculums, um, scripts, templates, do you house those in one place? Um, let's take away the licensing agreement ones where you might um, have them like actually housed in the, that company's uh, place, but like mm-hmm. courses and let's say because you brought up grief a lot. So let's say you have some courses on grief, you have an ebook on grief, you have scripts on how to talk to kids about grief and you have some templates, let's say, relating to that, would would you house them under like this in your website on like a a products page or are you keeping them separate? Like what I guess makes most of sense if it it is under the same umbrella business-wise and if it's under the same umbrella, like obviously your template for insurance, mastering insurance is probably under that other business that is not your group practice. Um, but if it's all, let's say all grief related stuff and you have some courses and eBooks and templates and all that, are you housing that in one place or not? Yes. Um, so yes, um, is kind of the simple answer. (laughs) Um, it just depends on the audience. And so when it's targeting other clinicians, so the grief piece, um, most of those are on the clinical website. Um, but it, again, if we're targeting um, our local Department of Mental Health, um, they often don't click on external websites. And so we know that we have flyers that will then link them or will then provide them. So those particular courses um, may be on a hidden page um, right. because it's the content or the way that we're talking about that product is different depending mm-hmm. on who we're talking to. And so, um, but on the back end, there's a portal that houses that, um, which link you get just depends on who you are. But for Got me it. on the back end, they all it all goes to the same place. So I don't have to manage all of the systems. Um, yeah. But what you see, what your landing page looks like is customized based on audience. Now, is there a recommendation you have for a platform for that? Oh, there's not a better platform other than WordPress. WordPress. <laughs> we'll outgrow yeah. the rest of them. <laughs> we started on Teachable. Yeah. Um, and I like Teachable. We still have stuff on Teachable, but you will outgrow every other platform other than WordPress, just the the different widgets and things that you need to control access, customize that experience, um, really um, have more control about how the user navigates that particular product um, and their customer journey. That's one big thing about passive income is that we often are are too short-sighted and we think about them purchasing one course when they should be and can be recurring customers if we cultivate that relationship. And so um, what you see will just be determined based on how what your entry point was. Um, and certainly people can kind of change, right? You might come in as a one-on-one course purchaser, and then we secure a contract. And so your platform looks different. Your access looks different. And on WordPress, you have the ability to customize those. 
Yes, that makes total sense. Okay. Um, tell people how they can reach you um, if they have uh, interest in your Pajama Profits or your Private Practice Academy, Coin Collectors Retreats. Where can they find you um, and be able to get um, help from you if they need it? Absolutely. So um, everything is at agenderobinson.com. And so you can find if you're interested in um, what we have on our clinical website or on mastering insurance, you can just click, click companies um, and everything you would like to know or not about me, you can find on that website, um, as well as there's a work with me tab. And so um, that will give you information about the different ways that we can connect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ajeta. It was really awesome talking to you again. Thank you for having me always. It's always a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.